welcome to the miseducation of the SLP. I am Ingrid. I am one of your hosts. And we have Ashanti. I am your other host. And welcome back to our platform. Yes, thanks for coming. (laughs) (laughs) So last time we were out in them streets. (laughs) We essentially were discussing how the movement works through graduate school into your first few years. And we're kind of revisiting this um, expectation that most SLPs, um, and when I say most SLPs, I do mean like everyone I've ever met in this profession. (laughs) (laughs) So ultimately um, there, and in general, the uh, consensus of, what support elements and support tools that we have for our objectives, our desires. Um, I have kind of come into a realization in the recent years, um, because I did not have them in the beginning of my career, that people really expect support elements around them, things to really be there to put them in place after they have this master's degree that they've earned and that they've paid an exorbitant amount of money for. Mm -hmm. They feel like their CF is supposed to be giving them support, um, supervisor to to a point. Um, They feel that, you know, maybe their jobs are supposed to be giving them support and the leeway of understanding that they're new. Um, There's this under, you know, concept that, you know, ASHA is going to be there to kind of step in in certain spaces or even just colleagues in general, like there's a sense of like, I deserve or want or expect help. And I find that to be relatively unique for speech language pathologists. And I'm curious if you've experienced the same, Ashanti. As far as the expectation of having that big safety net after graduation? Yes, because I I do understand that we have that. But with the clinical fellow that other, you know, places just or other disciplines don't have. Mm -hmm. But the idea, I think it was shaped through graduate school, maybe to have such a very high expectation of what kind of support you have. Yes, I was just going to add that I feel like the expectation was heightened or, you know, it was hyped up throughout graduate school that we're just going to have this insane amount of support. Uh, you know, your clinical supervisor is going to be doing this, that, and the third. They're going to be really teaching you and taking you under their wings. And that is not always the case. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to go into another thought, but maybe we'll save that little nugget for one of the other topics. I hope you write in a note because your <laughs> geriatric memory. Girl, this, ooh, I almost said a word. This. Lady, this lady. (laughs) Are we about to go there? This lady just called me geriatric. My feelings are hurt. (laughs) I hope that pen and pencil are moving because I swear you are not going to remember this post post anything. I will. Just be be aware that if you want to save a nugget, (laughs) you better write it out. Mm, mm, mm. We are all struggling with that. (laughs) All. Okay. That's that's inclusive of you. Oh, 100%. Okay, okay. Yeah. So then then we're good. Mm-hmm. Then we're in the same boat, baby. Right. Row, but row, I row think your mine, boat. 
I think mine has a little bit to do with wine because I really enjoy that <laughs> Oh my stuff. gosh. Anywho, back to the topic at hand. <laughs> In regards to the expectation, and this is something that I've actually come to take ownership of for myself. There's a lot of discussion um, that's happening right now in this timeline that probably will have died down by the time we uh, published this episode in regards to inclusion, diversity, and all these things that are being stated during popular times, like when there's a racist president or there's a racial act that occurs in society like George Floyd and blah, 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 where there's something significantly egregious to diverse community that it results in an uproar and and call for action the same within the lgbtq community in the asian community in the hispanic community like there's always this moment of like we need a statement we need to hear things and all that stuff and i just have come to the conclusion based on historical data Mm -hmm. we really need to understand that the people that continue to do this infraction or infarct what is it is it infraction to the marginalized individuals of this country Mm -hmm. are not going to choose the hard work to not be it and as much as we want to hold somebody accountable or have a body like our national organization for example being mommy and daddy to all of these undisciplined or um, you know, basically comfort zoned people that only do what they feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I find that to be something important for us to recognize. Like we don't have those things. We don't have a parental body. Mm-hmm. And as much as we assume and hope that our nonprofit business is going to be like that, for the general scope of our discipline, it really isn't. It really isn't. I feel like there needs to be, maybe we can do an episode where we talk about exactly what the role or what we should expect or what kind of a resource they are so that it's abundantly clear because you're you're absolutely correct in that it's there's this let's tattletale or let's go run tell mommy and daddy that they're not sharing or that they're not including me or they're not playing. And that's, that's not what they're there for. Correct. And I never experienced this idea that I need to go out and tell people how to include me in their things Mm -hmm. because ultimately I'm the example I'm supposed to be the example. I'm supposed to be the leader that guides you into figuring out how to be inclusive. If I identify a shortcoming for you, let's say, for example, you're holding a gathering of professionals and you make the decision based on just your pure lack of of sensitivity towards it because it's not your problem. It's not, not to say it's not your problem. It's not your experience. It's not what you experience day in and day out. It's still not their problem. Correct. It's, it's, it's not something that they recognize. It doesn't, it's not embedded in them. Right. They, there's not a natural response from a homogenized environment. That's like, oh, that's too homogenized. Mm -hmm. It rarely is the case, even within sectors of diverse spaces. 
it's rarely a situation where the majority person that is represented represented in that event is going to be like, wow, there's just a lot of just us and there's not enough of others. <laughs> the chances of that happening are very slim. I mean, there there's always an outlier or an exception to the rule, but you are absolutely correct. We should not expect that. That should not be an expectation or a complaint. Because I recognize it, not to say that there's any issues within, let's say, the 3% that is the Black population of SLPs. I'll use that as an example. We naturally will be open and welcoming of different individuals that'll come to our events, but it's a scenario where I'm like, do we account for Hispanic speakers on a regular basis and make sure that every event we hold or everything we do has a Hispanic speaker? Do we account for Asians? Do we account for transgender? Do we account for, do we represent absolutely every single person when we're holding an event to make sure that we are being accountable? Or are there sometimes just episodes where we have an event and it's a majority black people and that's all you see? Mm-hmm. Do we need those spaces? Absolutely, 100%, yeah. because we've never taken them up before. Yeah. And so in that regard, I kind of think we have to be understanding that even within our own spaces, within our own homogenized environments, we will not always recognize that a diverse panel is probably optimal to make sure that we're you know, highlighting all the people that's there. Now, the people we serve, predominantly a different background. Like I would say 50 to 70% of the SLP population at this point, diverse mm -hmm. from an immigrant family to uh, a mixed background mm -hmm. to cultural variations. If you're brought up in a home that isn't what would be deemed as, you know, more conventional, things like that. There's a lot more of that that's part of our society. But we have to recognize our own exclusivities. I mean, there is a scenario where you can go to San Francisco and you are in gay town, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Or there are places where you can go in Atlanta and you will not see vanilla for miles and miles <laughs> and miles. Correct. And we don't get yelled at for not necessarily being inclusive because in those spaces, we're not excluding. It's just more comfortable for us to be together with people who are like-minded with us. And that is nothing to snuff at. That's not a bad thing. So I can't necessarily get upset when, you know, I mean, how large are some of these events that are going on? Now, when there's a national convention, the body of our organization should be inclined to cover as much as possible but I'm definitely an individual that wants to take a step back and have us understand like we all need to be examples of inclusivity. Right. We just do. And if you want there to be a bigger platform where the inclusivity happens, you create one. And that's the missing piece. Right. Is that we identify the problem and try to railroad our energy into making them change. Mm -hmm. And historically that's never worked. <laughs> and if we identify that it's sort of worked, 
there's some progress, you will also see how they walk that progress back mm. regularly. Mm -hmm. Going, oops, equality for women. Let's just walk that back. <laughs> let's just stop. Let's just stop there. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do we really want to give them that freedom? Ew, I don't know. They're a little hormonal. Hmm. Maybe we okay. can rethink this. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you guys so much for entertaining us for a few decades. <laughs> it was so nice. A few decades. Yeah. Yeah, so awesome. Ah, but that is the thing that I just keep looking at. Like, you see how they keep doing that. So what is the real progress is the example making, is the generating of newer spaces. And I really want to empower SLPs with that capacity to make that event or make that experience Mm -hmm. Front and center, if it's available to you, don't spend the energy to continue to try to right the ship that is clearly operating if in its comfort zone. Yeah, Identify, collaborate, and find spaces in which you can generate something new. And I find that it's laborsome to do that, but it's so much better to put your efforts into that than into just... Then being it, a voice to continue to to be upset or complain yeah. about something we've talked about over and over yes. and over and over and over, and it is not going to be something that is new for anybody. Right. It's you're better off spending your energy creating something new, creating something different, than continuing to try to course correct something that it's just not going to correct itself. You can you can yell at it. You can, you can complain about it. It's just not going to happen. And it and it's not out of malice. It it's just it is what it is. Unfortunately, to use that phrase, it is what it is. With the percentage, Ooh, girl, my my brother would be so proud of you because he says that to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> my older brother, he's like, it is what it is, Ingrid. It is what it is. I can't control. <laughs> I can't control so many things that I want to be able to control. Right. That is just not my journey. So it I have to accept is. I have to accept things I cannot control. And I, unfortunately, I'm going to tell you right now, diverse and, you know, and allies of the diverse space, we cannot force engagement. You cannot. In the manner in which we want you by cannot. simply giving regular and consistent feedback. That will slip. Now, it will fall. To, it will fail. Right. To to bring it into because I work with pedi I work with peds kids. I am a pessimist though, so just be aware. <laughs> I'm a pessimist because of history. I'm a pessimist because of history, and I know that there are people out here in the streets being optimists, and I love you for it. Mm -hmm. And there are those that are realists. I'm not a realist because I keep looking at history, going, "There's nothing in here that tells me that I." that anything other than this pessimism is the reality. Right. <laughs> well, I was going to use the example of, because we were saying you cannot force it to happen. You cannot make someone do something that they just innately aren't going to do. It's like making a toddler share their last bit of cookie. You can force them to, but they don't want to. And is that behavior going to repeat itself? Is that behavior going to, you know, feed into the next interaction? It's not because they don't want to share that. 
Now, I'm not comparing the entire <laughs> the entire uh, you know career path to sharing cookies. I'm just saying it's not innately what's what's their default setting as far as sharing or or understanding that oh you know what maybe we need to use some of our platform and use it for this it's it's just not going to happen so let's create our own space and move on thanks for coming to my ted talk mm. <laughs> girl this is a whole podcast you got plenty of time i don't know what you shutting <laughs> it down for <laughs> that being said <laughs> All of that being said, mm-hmm. I 100% support everybody's individual decisions with how they manage the situation that is a challenging one. Recognizing that your professional environment is a little bit racist, is a little bit exclusionary, is a little bit biased. And when I say a little, I mean a lot. And there was no recognition, no self-actualization. There was nothing within their own sense that was like, this is a problem. There was education through the diverse spaces to continue to press the agenda. And it is historically the representation of people with diverse backgrounds to acknowledge that. The same occurred with patients that are like, listen, I might be autistic, but I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. to the point where we've progressed to neurodivergency because that was not originally the thinking of the first SLPs out there. Right, right. I mean, how many times were we taught, you know, you and I in in our early years were in the same clinic with children that had autism. How many times were we taught to to tell them to stop flapping? You know? Mm. Like, oh, quiet hands, quiet hands. Like that is not what you say anymore. So everything evolves, everything grows, and and we need to appreciate that and, and roll with it. And I like, I look at that situation because the autistic space and the black space are right next to each other. If not, black space is a lot longer when it comes to my mentality about diversity, it always starts with black people. Now there's probably, you know, maybe there was, you know, more of a Hispanic population prior to black or that's my thinking whenever it comes to the U S and when diversity gets introduced, it's usually introduced by black people Mm -hmm. in my mentality. This is not based on any fact. It's just my assumption. Um, but the autistic space where people were growing into this and understanding and making uh, making changes to how they perceived what it was going on was participated in by people of various backgrounds, not just black. Mm-hmm. There were white children in there that became adults. There, like feedback was given by many different people, and the desire to appease was because of that mixture. Right. The more we can have a balanced mixture within the spaces of inclusion and diversity, which we are not seeing, and why it's so hard, and why it's so repeated, and why it's so problematic still, is because there's not enough of individuals that are properly recruited into the space and offering what it really means to be an ally, which unfortunately... I find it to be a hard standard for people that have 
not necessarily existed in a space of a lot of friction and, and challenges and learning an entirely different school of thought to always just be within the presence of like, I need to think outside of my own box. That's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. And so in that respect, the pool is too small because as people of diverse backgrounds, I grew up in a place that was homogenized white in terms of how it was structured because business was structured from white minds, medicine was structured from white minds, everything was structured from white minds in this country. Our educational system, how we do our testing, because those are the founders mm -hmm. of absolutely every single concept. So we have all had to assimilate and we're accustomed to thinking about a mind that is not naturally like our own. So that comes at a baseline of ease right that ain't that ain't white people and my um when i saw the interview from tony morrison when the interview woman speaking to her a white woman speaking to her said you know are you ever going to incorporate whiteness in your books as a predominant figure like a predominant story and she's just like you don't even understand how powerfully racist your statement is oof wakati <laughs> wow <laughs> and the reason for that the reason for that the reason it's so racist is because when a white author spends his entire life writing about white people no one is interviewing them about why they are not creating books encompassing the other spaces. Not one person is asking the white author to do that. You are, she was absolutely correct in that. And when Toni Morrison said that, she was like, the reality is you're just not used to not being the center. Mm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're not used to being the center. And Toni Morrison said that almost 30 years ago mm -hmm. in an interview of like, it was either 1993 or 1998. And as I sat there and I thought about it, I'm just like, dang, they still haven't outgrown that, huh? Mm -mm. That's still there. And it shows up a lot. It shows up a lot. And as far as um, when there is a culturally diverse, predominantly black or Latino cast in any movie or, or anything for that matter, a lot of people get really upset. Well, why did they have to cast it all brown or all black? Or, you know, people get really up in arms about that stuff. Instead of really celebrating, wow, look at that. They filled every single, you know, role with someone that fits that category, someone that actually has a background in the part they're playing. Yeah. It's, they're just a good cast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been, shoot, you can't tell me nothing about Greece. Okay. I was all about that. It did not <laughs> occur to me to be like, oh my God, you know, I really wish they casted somebody with black You know skin. what? I wish they put Rita Moreno in there. And I mean, she could sing and dance. I mean, why not? And uh, don't come at me, y'all, because I don't know if the timelines will correspond. I would have to do my homework later, but that's the example that comes up. You know, putting a Puerto Rican in, in a <laughs> in a role for a, a, a white girl, it's it's just no one got mad about that. No one got no one got upset about it. So let's everybody just calm down. I mean, the reason there is a delay 
to my joyous pleasure with the little mermaid has a lot to do with the controversy <laughs> that happened simply because they made the little mermaid black. Mm. So we have to recognize being the center is the only place where people that are extreme on the scale want to be, but there's a little bit of that across the gradient. And we all operate within that. And there is some level for me of compassion because you were taught to be that way. Mm -hmm. Just as I was taught not to be, I was taught and raised to think about the white lens. Hmm. You were taught to think and operate looking at the white lens. Like you were taught that. Mm -hmm. And now I'm beating you up because you keep not learning the lesson. And I keep telling you that you're not the center of the universe, <laughs> especially as a patient care provider. And that is not computing. It's like. <laughs> Was that the robot shutting down or malfunctioning? 100%. 100%. Cause I sent you down a path and I'm just like, here are all the resources, here are all the tools that we have historically offered you over and over and over again to share with you that your point of view is not the only one that's accurate. Mm -hmm. And then you're, and, and then they're like, wait, what? And they don't notice that they're missing other points of mm -hmm. view. Mm -hmm. So I feel for SLPs coming into the game, relatively new, relatively disciplined in the respects of like, I want to do my very best for my patients and have limited to no resources in which to go to find them without delving into social media at a high velocity, especially if they want to incorporate diversity and they don't get the, the privilege or the opportunity to be able to do it in general. Mm -hmm because it's not intentional from the most exposed spaces, which are significantly white. Yeah. And I don't know how to change that other than getting my little white allies together and coming up with a situation where we can create a large solution. So if there's a circumstance where, okay, this situation came about, I understand what you're doing. Let's game plan for next year. Mm -hmm. Let's create a joint venture between my business that is, you know, chocolate drop central with all kinds of diverse people here. <laughs> and you're and we're gonna and we're gonna contact Caramelito Central and and get okay. them in on the game. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, you know, we gonna go ahead and get our mochi ice cream folk up in here. Like <laughs> she said mochi. We gonna we gonna bring us all together, okay? And we're gonna have a collective experience and present that to all of our SOPs. Let us figure that out. Yeah. Because consistently berating each other isn't producing what we've desired. So if we look at it collaboratively, what could be the outcome? And maybe we need to go into that direction a little more. Okay. Okay. A solution. A That's solution. all I'm considering. A solution. a solution. There you go. Because there. we keep dividing each other every time we have these conversations. And we definitely don't appreciate some of these apologies. Because, man, if you keep making the same mistake, nobody's going to believe your apology. Yeah. So if you really are sorry, work collaboratively with me. 
Yes. You have two speakers. I have two speakers. Camalitos will have two speakers. <laughs> you know, like we're all, we're all going to have people that represent for all kinds of different people. We can absolutely do that for ourselves and amongst others. So I want us to give it a try. Instead of all the infighting. Yeah. Yeah. In the wise words of, I think it was Rodney King. Can't we all just get along? Oh my God, that's so beautiful. <laughs> you just touched my heart. Oh, I got you, girl. <laughs> you got me in my heart. <laughs> Single tear rolls down cheek. <laughs> but with the stoic face, because you can't make a yeah, yeah, mess yeah. up, you know? Can't, you can't. <laughs> you can't get them wrinkles in. <laughs> well, in the true corporate America fashion, we have about three minutes, three seconds left in this broadcast. And I just want to <laughs> give that back to you. I want to give it back to your day. And I just want, I want to show my appreciation for having you guys here. And I just want to thank you absolutely for, uh, you know, just always going out there and doing great work. And uh, yeah, just want to toss those last few minutes back into your day <laughs> as I'm consistently going over in time. Just want to toss that back into your day so that you can have the rest of it to go accomplish things. And yeah, so thank you so much. I just enjoy that extra moment. You know, go stretch. Have oh my a God. <laughs> she's that going every, she's, she's, every corporate she's going off. Like she's like, I'm gonna give you back these three seconds, but I'm gonna use every ounce of those three seconds. And then I'm gonna and, and then I'm gonna multiply it by 14 and use an entire 17 more minutes of your time because I wanna sit here and make you feel good and give you the warm fuzzies. <laughs> That is how the end of a corporate meeting goes <laughs> when they give you back 2.3 seconds of your day. They're just like, I just want to throw this back at you, you know, take a stretch. Take no, a no, walk, no, no. And you're like, I got one better. Then they're like, so what are you going to do with the rest of your time? I mean, since we're ending early, <laughs> is, any, is anyone going to go take a lap around the building? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you guys so much for joining us on our little soapbox as we <laughs> went into A, offer clarity, B, offer a little bit of ranting, and C, offer some solutions yes. so that we can really reframe the lens of our own power and own capabilities within the speech-language pathology uh, space. And remember that the biggest way to make progress is to show compassion and offer opportunities for growth. And we want to do that even with our colleagues to the best of our capacity in the spaces we want to see it. So keep that up, do your best. And uh, until next time. Yes. Everyone's doing a great job. Keep it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bye. Later.